All right, here we go. The annual tradition, Dick. Are you ready? Hell yeah. <laughs> a tradition like no other. The day after <laughs> podcast, complete with like, I don't know if it's an alcohol hangover, but it's definitely a hangover of some kind. Definitely. <laughs> the conference hangover. After the conference hangover, three days of back-to-back meetings, you're sort of a little bit groggy, but that's why it's good <sighs> to take a step back and yeah. just reflect on what we've done for the last few yep. days. The ASUG annual conference slash Sapphire now is in the books. You and I had largely different schedules, so Which is good. so we can compare notes. Now we right. haven't really prepped this at all, and we don't know what either one of us is going to say. So surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all we know is that you have to leave for the airport in a little bit. So we'll get this nailed down and then send you on your merry way. So okay, what cool. are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I like this conference. It was much more upbeat um, in terms of sort of just the the vibe. Um, mm. I think that was in comparison to the last few sapphires. I think you noticed that, especially on the uh, keynotes of day two, where everything sort of fit together um, in terms of the mm. three individuals speaking and each one had their own message. And I really liked um, Bent's presentation, which was the middle one, which was sort of a combination of um, sort of S4 in terms of the context of the entire um, SAP landscape. That was really good. Um, and then uh, just jumping around a bit here, and then I really um, on day three was Hassel's keynote was the very long demo about S4 um, migration tools, and that was very useful as well. But I liked it. Yeah, it. I thought it was interesting because the the day one keynote ran long and and seemed very overwrought. And right. Um, and what was so interesting about day two is that they didn't seem like they tried nearly as hard. I mean, as far as like, let's just like have the best keynote ever. It was more like, right. well, let's bring out a customer and talk with them. And, right. and, and it was sort of interesting because when you take a look at that, you realize that SAP has enough good things to offer right now. They don't have to dress it up too much, just right. redirect. Um, and you know, what was interesting was um, I thought, I thought Steve Singh's keynote was pretty important Right. Um, he, he, this was, I mean, SAP has been trying for years to get someone from one of these SaaS acquisitions to stick to the wall in a leadership capacity. Right. And it looks like maybe they finally have the guy. And I don't know what your opinion was, but my feeling was that was the most coherent view. Like, I mean, SAP been saying we're a cloud company for a long time, but to me that was the most coherent view of like, we get the cloud business model. Well, I mean, like, I mean, he gets it. I mean, because he comes yeah. from concurrent. I mean, he has the whole experience. I don't know whether yeah. how far other aspects of SAP also right. share that vision. But I mean, he definitely has it. I mean, and just based on his his experience. Yeah, and it and it seemed important because one of the big themes of the conference, I thought, was integration. Right. Right. Which is funny because it's a business conference, but right. it's become very clear. You know, and that was even brought up in the first day keynote was that CIOs and such are pushing back on SAP and saying we need roadmaps and we need right. better integration right. uh, with S4 and many other components. And I thought Steve Singer really addressed that from a cloud perspective, obviously, but talking about everything from microservices to APIs because SAP, let's be honest, they haven't really had an API culture and they clearly well, kind I mean, of... They have- the enterprise services repository yeah. that ESOA yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of a but, thing. But, but in the press QA, Bernd Leichert it basically admitted, he said you needed a PhD to work with some of our BAPIs. Yeah. You know? I mean, the question is, I mean, is, and we're, no, we're sort of jumping around here, the question yeah. is how can they avoid repeating the mistakes 
from the past. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be a challenge. I like the, the vision, and you're right. I mean, API, this is a business conference, but API, that word kept on being used in terms of the announcement of the API right. hub. Um, so that was intriguing. But, of course, the question is going to be, I mean, these are customers who have been with SAP for a while, and they know the history. And so they can yeah. say, okay, okay, what are you going to do this time to avoid the problems that you had in the past? And that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, it's like I tried NetWeaver middleware. That didn't work out so good for me, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. I think for SAP, the advantage is, you know, working off of Apogee's tool set and such. Right. They, they're working with a company that really knows modern APIs a lot better than... Mm-hmm. The stuff they've had before, but as you, as you point out, you still have to realize that, and you have to persuade customers who've been down the path a few times to say, "Well, let's go down this path again." Right. Um, and I mean, if you looked at um, Bant's keynote, I mean, there's one section where he had sort of this graphical re- representation of all the APIs yeah. that are coming. And I mean, they think, think they have a good idea. The question is, when are these APIs coming? Um, right. And will there be the APIs which which customers really need? And that was one thing that they described was that they will bring APIs out based on customer demand, which is right. which is useful. I mean, because they have all this domain knowledge, and to push all these APIs out at once is sort of is is impossible. So I think what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, if we have a customer that needs the transportation APIs then those will be pushed out. Right. So it'll be in sort of a uh, agile methodology that right. they will bring out the APIs as they're needed rather than trying to have this concerted effort where everything comes out, which would never be successful. And, and, and just to be clear, the whole thing around this is that what... So there's this whole debate in the IT industry around digital transformation. And, and basically, it's pretty commonly accepted that that most industries are being impacted by digital business models in right. some way, whether they're being quote unquote disrupted immediately right. <laughs> or whether there's change down the pike. Um, and it's not just that a competitor might be coming for you. It's the idea that maybe, for example, the data that you have could be turned into a different type right. of business or service. Right. And so, so companies are saying, well, what is, what do we need to get there? And a lot of analyst firms and cloud companies talk about, various versions of bimodal IT, which is basically leave your old ERP legacy investments alone right. and just start purchasing customer-facing cloud stuff. And and kind of the core just ends up withering away as right. you start adding more and more cloud pieces. Um, what SAP is trying to, to present is a different model, which is S4HANA is your real-time enterprise digital core. Right. And, and yeah, it might be a little difficult for some of you guys to move there right but once you're there you're going to be able to do all this cool stuff and so i've been very interested to see you know well how are customers going to respond to this approach and for the most part my impression is that customers kind of like what sap is presenting but what they are saying amongst other things is we need skills support right. roadmaps migration and they want the digital core to integrate easily with other stuff so right. this is where I mean, the IPIP, API piece right. and the HANA Cloud Platform piece fit into the picture, right? right? They want to be able to say, yeah, maybe it's an SAP Cloud product. Maybe it's right. uh, you know, Salesforce or Workday or whatever right. it is. They want to be able to plug that in to, right. the, to their so-called digital core. And so I think for SAP to succeed on the digital core, they, they have to take one last great swing at this integration issue and get it right. Right. I mean, because they have all these acquired products now. Okay, yeah. and 
the customers are going to, I mean, they're already starting to purchase multiple cloud products, okay? And so these things don't work in isolation. Um, and as we all know, I mean, integration in the cloud is just difficult. Yeah. Um, and for SAP to sort of realize that they can help customers by either creating content now and testing it so it's available um, or pressuring, um, pressuring um, partners to do it, I think it's just the realization that's what customers demand. I think the other interesting tension around a conference like this is getting people excited about stuff, but also being clear with people around and customers around when things are actually happening. So (laughs) your API thing is a good example, right? Like we're doing all this stuff, but when are we actually going to have them? Another great example, that was the SAP iOS announcement, which which happened the week before the conference and got a lot of press coverage. Right. but I felt that the coverage was a little bit off, and then a premature. And then at the event, we find out that actually the SDK right. to build this stuff isn't actually coming till the end of the year. Right. Um, so now it does look. We were sitting with a partner. You and I were in that meeting together. We had a yeah. partner in there who's saying, "Yeah, I build this stuff all the time, and this SDK is really going to help me." Right. You know, and he gave all these reasons why it would going to be great for right. him for building. So that's great, but it's not coming till the end of the year. Right. So it's like, well, how do you go from announcing this cool thing you're excited about to also being clear with people around what to expect? Because I don't think you want to put customers in the position of constantly doing homework on when this stuff's actually going to be available. Right. Like you right. and I, we have the time and energy to chase right. down those details. Right. What about everybody else? You know. So anyway, it's sort of interesting. So I want to talk about S4. I mean, that yeah, was, yeah. I mean, because that was one of the the main focus points of this this conference. And I think there, it's getting a lot cleaner in terms of what the strategy is. I mean, I think we had lots of meetings with um, either customers who have moved to S4 um, or people who are involved in the S4 effort within SAP. And I mean, what was interesting for me was talking to the customers who have S4. And we I talked to two customers and they were both small customers. I mean, they weren't mm-hmm. these these huge businesses. And that was maybe an interesting realization that S4 isn't for everybody. Um, that there are some customers, for example, um, who will have, I mean, it's not the S4 on-premise. Some will be S4 on the cloud, but there will be this huge variety. And I think that was interesting. Right. So... Obviously, SAP is mostly focused on large enterprise customers with S4, and right. the main the main reason for that is strictly numbers, right? SAP right. is trying to hit numbers around S4. But if if a smaller medium sized company finds out of us finds out about S4 and right. asks for it, they're going to get it, right? You know, I mean, so except maybe perhaps the the the, the very smallest customers might not be appropriate for S4 but the yeah. companies I mean we we're talking to a, a startup from Korea and they had moved to S4 finance and they were totally happy um and so that was I mean an interesting idea that startups mm. could be using this as well not just the the largest companies mm. um and I think it's also a lot cleaner now in terms of what companies are really going to be moving to the public cloud I mean there was one I think Q&A with Hasa who said we really can't expect the largest companies to be moving their ERPs to the public cloud. Um, right. They're going to be on-premise. I mean, that's just that's just reality. Um, there was a very interesting thing that went down around um, the S4 finance piece because SAP, the origins of this around simple finance were basically like, well, 
the internal debate is how long do we support a, a right. finance-only finance component to S4. Right. Um, so that was very interesting because we were going to press with an article and I was trying to dig out the final confirmation on that. Basically what it comes down to from SAP right now, uh, confirmed with uh, Sven actually, Sven Denikin, was that they are releasing another update to the finance one this month. Right. But that's the last one they formally committed to at this time. Okay, but they might continue to do it. Um, they aren't saying no. What what they're trying right. to do is strike the balance there because it turns out the customers like, at least for now, they like the finance step. And right. there's a couple reasons for that. One of it is that the functionality for enterprise management is still being fleshed out across the other areas. Right. But also, it's it's perhaps a stepping stone, you know, and a right. stepping stone to to start moving both technically and and a business model type towards this new right um way of doing business with sap so it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out because it does get tricky for sap to explain the different releases and tracks and right. it might be clear to you but i'm not sure that if you asked right. a customer to explain the differences between the enterprise hana enterprise cloud version and the private cloud and the right public whether they would be able to do that but but it, it does seem like SAP is getting clearer around why they need each type of release, right? Right. I mean, we also so. had an interesting discussion um, regarding having parts of S4 on the public cloud and parts on-premise and how would that work? Mm. Because, I mean, that was, I mean, people, I mean, probably won't move everything. If they decide to move the public cloud, they're not going to move everything at once. So they would move parts to the public cloud and then parts would remain on-premise and how that would work. And I mean, it was, mm -hmm. to, because you have to remember that the public cloud has a different release cycle than the on-premise stuff. Right. But the public is four times a year. Right. And, and on-premise is once, once a year. Right. right. So, I mean, you would think that there'd be difference, but because of right. the APIs and the API, of course, you have to be backwards compatible. So you could probably keep the two systems integrated, which is an interesting idea. Actually, I seem to recall you getting into an argument with someone at SAP about that this week because you they were saying it's all one code line and you were saying, well, not quite right. because right. one code line is getting a little bit ahead of the other. But Right, but that, that's why the APIs are so important. Right. I mean, and if you have the APIs are, are valid and they're backward compatible, then then it would still work. Right, um, right. But it just, it, I know it makes things more complicated, but I think it's that's how, how the real world is. Yeah. So I know Matthias Steiner's probably listening to this podcast because he was asking about it yesterday. <laughs> Do you have any love for the HANA Cloud platform? Yeah, I mean, the one announcement that, that wasn't maybe pushed as much as it should have been was the whole, um, the Cloud Foundry beta. Right. Which came out, um, I think, I think the on Monday before the staff started. And that's very important. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what's, what's important is that it really provides SAP sort of a stamp of approval for a standardized developer experience on HCP, right. which is, I mean, of course they have their own APIs, they have their own um, command line interface, but with the CF foundation work in, with this, the CF work within HCP, now they can bring in other developers as well. I mean, and HCP is also the, the basis of other um, platforms as a service and be a lot easier for people to move back and forth if they decide to move to that platform. And it's also, I mean, interesting for customers in case customers want to have it in their data center, which is probably going to happen at some point, I assume. Right. And I got into an interesting conversation with Matthias around this because I was basically asking, well, if you're 
providing all this through Cloud Foundry, then what is the point of or the HANA Cloud Platform at all? Like if you're if you're essentially working on a different platform, but what he was saying is that even through Cloud Foundry, you're going to be able to access all of the HCP right. services. So what you're right. essentially doing is by giving developers Cloud Foundry access, what you're essentially saying to them is, I'm used to open. If I'm an open source developer, I'm used to working in open source environments. Right. You're you're essentially formally supporting that. Right. So they're probably going to be more likely to be willing to give this a go than like right. trying a proprietary platform, even if it's the same languages they've always used. Right. I mean, a, and because if you take a look at Cloud Foundry, I mean, it's it's a foundation. But if you look at other um, platform as a services that are based on um, Cloud Foundry, Bluemix, for example, they also have their own services. If everything was the same, yeah. then there wouldn't be a reason for for people to do it. But it's a foundation, and it's a and it's a common, it's a commonality across all these different platforms, which makes it so interesting. Yeah, and there was a fair amount of Hana Cloud platform talk from yeah. the, the main stage as well. Given yeah. that this is a business conference, it was sort of interesting to to hear a fair amount about that. Do you think that, how do you see that working for customers? Are they going to be thinking about, because right now, I don't think there's a whole lot going on with S4 HANA and HCP in terms of extending. Right, I know it's possible, and I think some of the, the some of the APIs which are, will be coming out in API Hub are from S4. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, an important step, but the question is, are there really extensions which are out there from partners? Mm -hmm. um, and so... I mean, for a customer, I mean, HCP is always how you extend existing applications. I mean, there's these three up, three types of applications that they want to, to really push. Um, but you got to get partners to have mm. their um, applications for their extensions running on HCP. And I think there's there's the the one, I think, what's the, the application partner center or something. There's so many stores from SAP. That's, <laughs> so there are applications there. But I don't right. know how much um, effort is going in from SAP to really push those out at the customer. Well, the one thing we can definitely confirm from this week is that S4 HANA is using HCP as their right. um, extension plot. That is the go-to strategy. Right. So if you're a customer listening to this, you definitely want to think about that because going forward, SAP is going to really be pushing you away from customization. Right, um, right. And, you know... And, and so you're going to need to start thinking about, I need to understand either through a partner or through my own internal IT, right. how to develop on the HANA Cloud platform right. and, and extend my functionality in cases where I need something perhaps industry specific that I can't right. get elsewhere. Right. And what's important you know. is that although the emphasis for these extensions are on um, public cloud S4 um, installations, it's exact the same situation for um, on-premise installations as well because right. I mean they're moving away from customization to configuration mm -hmm. I mean and that was what's interesting if you look at the the one um, demo that we had the one tooling demo that we had on day three with in Hasso's keynote I mean that was a very long demo where they basically took a customer through the migration from um, a non s4 environment to an s4 environment and it looked of course really easy there's probably it's not probably as easy for most, most, yeah. most customers, but it was the fact that it was, first of all, it's a cloud-based tool, which I thought was very interesting. And just the fact that it goes through and analyzes your system and helps you make the moves. And it, it would show you basically what um, customization would be um, a potential issue. Of course, the question is what happens when you realize that, how do you move the right. customization to HCP? And that's still open. That's still an open question. Right. 
I, yeah, so I think it's really more about starting to understand that that is the forward strategy and start to think right. about how you're going to work on that. You might not be doing it next month or even next six months, but it's going to come down. The other piece of it that as far as new skills was talking around the the uh, iOS stuff, the controversy going into the conference was, does this mean SAP is backing off of UA5, UI5 right. and Fiori? And it's very clear talking to everyone from San Mian who owns right. Fiori to everyone else that they're not backing down from that at all. Right. But what they are acknowledging is that device-based development has become important. Um, right. You know, it's become very clear that there's advantages to that, whether it's GPS location and taking right. advantage of, or maybe it's fun stuff on the phone like Gmail integration or right. email or whatever it is. And so that's essentially what they're trying to do. But the problem being that for an SAP developer, if they don't know, right. if they don't know Swift, they're not going to be able to right. develop in those environments. So that's the other sort of wake up call here is, right. you know, you're thinking about going forward with these types of apps. You're going to have to start thinking right. about how your SAP and your iOS right. teams can work together on this stuff. Right. There's a little bit of planning. You probably have some Swift resources right. somewhere. Now you got to figure out how to make those groups talk to each other and get along a little better. Right. I mean, so. there's one <clears throat> one topic that I missed that was the the Microsoft announcement. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, and that was, it was interesting that most of the content there was, there's a pretty big um, announcement. Most of the integration was based on Outlook in right. Office 365, which is, I mean, I thought it was really in interesting, especially between, for example, success factors and Outlook in terms of making, if you do a vacation re request, then it goes and looks in your Outlook, Outlook calendar and says, you have these conflicts, please reschedule, things like that. So, I mean, it's an interesting idea that it's right. moving beyond just the duet-based sort of um, integration to a much higher level. Wow, you used the word duet. Wow. Yeah, I know. So, someone from showing, showing my age. <laughs> someone from SAP is like shaking, shaking in shame and sadness right now, or for whatever happened to duet. But yeah, I mean, what's also interesting is that that integration, I think, goes via HCP. Yeah, yeah. And and there were a wide spectrum of responses on the Microsoft. I mean, Dennis was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, right. And um, but Harold Ryder from Emphasis, he's excited about it. He right. he claims that he has customers who are really like, especially things like the 365 integration. He sees right. that as a pretty big step forward. Right. Um, so, but I thought it was interesting because you know when they announced the SAP iOS thing before the conference, I was trying to understand why they did that right. instead of saving it. And then when they had the big Microsoft Fest on the first day, I was like, right. well, maybe that has something to do with right. it as well. Uh, you know, because Apple and Microsoft right. on the same stage gets a little awkward sometimes. They have a lot of right. history. Um, right. But I mean, so. I think, I mean, what's, what's important is that we're seeing it more often is that SAP is partnering yeah. with other large vendors. I mean, it could be with HCP in the HCP space or in IoT um, or with Microsoft. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very wise move. I mean, they can't do everything and they yeah. should just focus on their strengths and um, just bring in other people who can complement those. Yeah. All right. So did you learn anything else? I think we covered most of the news announcements. Well, I mean, we could also do the one, um, the one digital, the, the one digital, what's it? Digital consumer insight. Oh, yes, yes. Beck, Becker's, yeah. Jonathan Becker's digital project. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, 
I mean, we haven't talked about it yet, but that was interesting. I mean, well, it was a seriously interesting, seriously interesting endeavor. Um, and by the way, I, I got a little bit of updated information on um, cause you, cause you were saying some of this technology existed before. Yeah. I think it was an enterprise focused thing that yeah, they did before. Yeah. Um, this one is not necessarily enterprise focused. It's, it's priced around the digital. Right. And essentially it's not even a digital app. It's a digital service. Right. But, but to be clear for listeners who don't know about it yet, SAP through its Sybase acquisition has access to a tremendous amount of mobile data right. on, on you and me <laughs> and right. a lot of other people. Right. Um, and they anonymized. Anonymized. They figured out a way to aggregate that data yep. and, and anonymize it. And right. because they're the only company that has access to almost all of this data. 97%, I think, of telecoms yeah. use it. It so. gives them the ability to pinpoint a lot of very interesting geolocational questions, for example, right. you know, and during our demo, Jonathan's showing us, we, we wanted to compare foot traffic between the Apple store in Manhattan and the Apple store right. in, in San Francisco. Um, but to, and, and in real time or near real time, right. in just a couple of minutes, we had, you know, that information at our fingertips. Right. And essentially you can order that as a service off of the SAP store. Right. Um, super interesting. I mean, yeah. it, it reminds you of, you know, I think someone said, and I think they were right, this is what Vishal kind of wanted all along for, for HANA is, right. is these types of services that immediately make sense to a business person. Right. I, don't, I don't need to know that it's powered by HANA. Or, right. You know, all I know is that this is super useful right. information that could help point, me. price point that I can afford. Yeah, 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 no. right? With, with, without sales staff, without having to do a 50-page document. Without migration or migration tools, right. I can just get to work. Right. I mean, to me, that's that's the essence of digital. I mean, yeah, right. maybe over time you want to you, you do want a digital core. We could have a long discussion about the pros and cons of investing in that. But but the immediate bang is right. I got to open a new store next week. Right. Did I pick the right location or whatever it is? Right. Um, so that was super interesting and right. and uh, it didn't get it was I thought it was going to get some keynote love on on the last day, but it didn't so much, Unfortunately not. but they may have ran out of time for whatever reason, but, right. but, uh, it is on the SAP store if people want to check it out. So, right. um, but that was really interesting. And someone told me, Oh, I don't think it'll succeed because SAP is not going to push it. So we'll see if that's the case or not. I mean, that's, I mean, there's a new division, um, dealing with data as a service. So, I mean, yeah, from Helen Arnold. So it's not like they're just going to ignore it. I mean, this yeah. is going to be just the initial push in this area. Well, so Jonathan Becker, he does know a thing or two about marketing. So yes. I seriously doubt he would create, you know, one of the coolest products he's probably ever created in his career and then just let it sit around and, you know, the store and have his fingers crossed. I mean, he's, he's right. going to try to figure out, what to do about it. And he did get a lot of media attention this week. So, so he probably has already figured out something about that. So, yeah. so that was super interesting. I mean, I also had two interesting uh, meetings with the Hybrisen with the Reba president, um, or the people who are responsible for those business units. Fascinating, smart guys. They have some really good ideas in terms of what they're going to do for their particular area. And I really enjoyed the conversations I had with them. Yeah, the customer experience part is 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 SAP is fun there because they, you know, they make these self-serving statements about CRM being dead, which is really convenient when you're getting your ass kicked in CRM <laughs> by by Salesforce. Right. But but I think there is 
some point to what they're saying, which is that the whole way we think about relating to customers is is different now than it used to be. You know, right. thinking about in terms of like contact centers and call centers and you know service calls and things like that. That's that's if it doesn't feed into a broader relationship right. of some kind, it doesn't make sense. And Hybris perhaps is a key part of the new right. the new customer experience for SAP. Right. What, what we you didn't know? see were any chatbots. We didn't see any chatbots, and we didn't see a whole lot of AI, did we? I mean, uh, no. Th there was some references to it. Right. There was some lip, lip service paid. Right. That into machine learning, but that's I mean that's what the the, the new buzzword. So yeah, I was going to mention those. Yeah, they mentioned them, but I didn't see a whole lot. But maybe by TechEd, they'll be right. ready to rock and roll on that. Right. Yeah, I'd, I think I think it was a, a fairly solid show for SAP. The one thing I I would say is that like the I think I think customers are still looking for more evidence that other big customers are making the S four Hana move and and that right. they'll follow along with that because right. a lot when you talk a lot of the S four Hana videos we did a lot of them were with slightly unconventional situations. Right. Not not a classic yeah. core SAP customer. Yeah. Um, but we did get a couple of, of those as well. So it's starting to happen. Right. But I think I think they also want to feel like it can happen in a situation where, you know, like like you get a Nestle or whatever and it's super right. cool, but like they have such a strong relationship, they're picking up the phone with SAP. I might not have that level right. of relationship. Right. So I need to feel like I can make that move without right. Going there. I mean, what was the one so, program that uh, Bill McDermott described in the first day? What value assurance? Or what's the name of that? Yeah. Yeah. So that was important. That was the one yeah. really program where they want to make sure that the S4 implementation projects are successful and on budget and on based on certain um, standards. And I thought it was useful. I mean, important for customers to take a look at that and say, okay, these are certain um, standards that they're going to follow to make sure that the the sins of the past aren't repeated. And the final piece to that is that I did a video on the first day with Jeff Scott, uh, CEO of ASUG, and obviously the ASUG people feel strongly and correctly that there's a whole different aspect of this conference. Part of it is just user education, and right. part of it is the ASUG voice and and what Jeff had done super interesting was uh, collaborated with DSAG and managed to come out with a combined position paper on digital. Oh, really? I haven't seen that. They, they came out with a combined position paper on digital transformation huh. and, and also how, how SAP's products fit into that. And that is a really good vantage point for understanding because if you're a customer, I would argue that you need to start by thinking about what is digital mean in my industry, right. how am I going to deal with it? And then you start figuring out how the right. SAP product portfolio might right. fit into that. Um, and so for a second DSAG to get on the same page I mean, it's pretty on, amazing. on just about anything, but especially digital, because right. especially DSAG in the past, they've definitely been a little bit of a pushback on, yeah, definitely. on digital hype there. You know, it's, yeah. these it's are like solid, solid German dudes and dudettes, right? They don't, yeah. They've seen a lot of things come and go. They're not going to hop on the digital bandwagon right. for no reason. So the thing I got from from the the report that was useful is and the interview with Jeff was that there is this fundamental acknowledgement that industries are changing and uh -huh. 
and that customers need to think about that and and they're going to push their users a little bit to think about that but then they also went through what are some of the challenges right. everything everything from talent to um, business model change right. and and how customers should think about that and then ultimately what SAP should be doing and I think the good news for SAP is that these user groups have pretty much said they haven't said oh you're totally on the wrong track here right. what they have said is that we need a lot more help getting there in a variety of ways mm -hmm. um, so I was talking with someone from SAP last night and they were asking how do we do and I said I thought you did pretty well because honestly I'm surprised by how many customers have bought into your digital core message. It's more than right. I would have expected. But then I also said you have to find a way to buy time on Wall Street for a couple of years because right. this is not going to kick in overnight. Right. And and the Wall Street investor crowd and the financial analysts, they don't really understand what SAP is doing in the sense of like, oh, this is a good bet. Let's just hang out and wait for this to right. come around. They're They're still looking at are you a cloud company and they're evaluating based on SaaS valuations, which is how they've approached the enterprise for a number of years now. Right. They, they prize growth over profits and yeah. they've made that clear. So how do you manage that? How do you buy yourself enough time to make this transition? Right. To me, that's, that's their biggest question. Right. So I don't know how they're going to do it and that'll be interesting. No, just have to wait for the next one. I'm not it's a financial far. analyst and I can't really advise SAP right. on how to handle that. I just know that, I just know that SAP gets into trouble when they worry too much about those guys, right? But you know, and focus too much on the short term, right? You know? it's, it's a long term game, definitely. And for yourself, this is also rather interesting. I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but but you yourself are getting a lot of hands-on experience right. and new cloud paradigms through. Right. I mean, right now I'm basically working on our uh, ServiceNow team, and so I know. Um, just on based on my experience on a day-to-day -day basis that it's often not easy. And I mean, I have a much better understanding now of the difficulties that can occur. And that's why I'm much more aware that SAP is in some, in some areas is doing an excellent job. Security um, in terms of data privacy from Europe and things like that, they're doing a really good job. And in terms of your work, are you, I assume you're learning a whole lot about service integration in a cloud yeah, leveler. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, I'm dealing with the integrations for our service now. And I mean, it's, I know that it's not easy. Um, yeah. And it's difficult. And it's just curious to see how SAP does it. And some things they do really well, and other things, it's just difficult. I mean, you have a third party application that has an API which really isn't defined, then the integration is going to be tough. But if customers need it, then you got to find a way to realize it. And I mean, we haven't mentioned um, the HANA Cloud integration platform yet, but that's, I mean, well, that's supposed to be the go-to location for integrations, and I'm going to be curious to see what right. really happens there. So officially, HCI, HANA Cloud integration is part of HANA Cloud platform now. Right. I don't know exactly what that means other than the naming. There's been a lot of naming changes. I'm getting a little yeah. worn out right now. Yeah, but um, I mean, that's... I think what has to be important is that with, I mean, as we've mentioned multiple times, integration is the key here because you have these cloud applications which have talked to one another. And if HCI has to be sort of the, um, the central point for these integrations, then SAP has to stay behind the product and really push it, not only in terms of engineering, but in terms of sales as well. And I mean, I think that's, the message has to go from the top to the bottom that this is the path forward. Yeah, and, and finally, I think there's a 
there's a fairly big issue helping startups and partners who are building apps on the HANA Cloud platform take these apps directly to customers. And it's a long, right. com it's a long conversation I don't really want to get into now because I'm actually trying to work the back channel a little bit to help right. some of these folks out. I want to give the back channel some time before I talk about it too much. But what it comes down to is you can have all the tools in the world, but if you can't get products and apps in front of customers, then it's right. a little tougher. Right. And I think that's still the part that SAP is struggling with a little bit and it, they need to fix it because, um, so a lot when, when you, when, when, when it, when it's so difficult to get an app in front of a customer and sell it to that customer in terms of things like, um, being an approved vendor and stuff like that, what you end up having is a situation where only the, the top 20 or so services firms are making right. their apps for you and you're missing out on a lot of interesting stuff. Right, innovation a, from the smaller companies, yeah, of course. Because there's a lot of cool startups doing everything right. from virtual reality stuff to right. to cool industry-specific stuff in a particular industry right. where they have like hardcore, lean right. startup. You want those people involved in your ecosystem. And I think right. I think in my mind that's a, a, something SAP has to do, and um, they're not there yet on that. So that's something I'm going to be watching heading into to TechEd if they can kind of make that that better because you can talk about a platform all you want but if you can't get people to market it's not going to work and unfortunately right now you can't right. just you can't just slap apps up on a store and and, and get it done right. if your direct sales force isn't right. invested in that in some way and sees the advantage of it then it's not going to happen right i mean i think that i mean i think the sales force is now very aware in terms of sap's cloud products yes i mean i think that awareness is now pretty much through the whole sales force but the thing is all the, the partner apps. Right. Because those are critical as well. I mean, you need both. Yeah. And in certain domains, it's a huge competitive advantage. I mean, I won't get into the full details, but in the HR space, I, right. I think success factors, one of their one of their big advantages if they're up against Workday is, right. uh, is the ability to extend on the Haunted Cloud platform. Right. And, and you need partners to be able to build your customer something nice. Right. And the more apps you have, the more you're going to blow them away, and right. so you, you got to seize the moment. You built this platform. Right now, now you know make the marketplace part of that real. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. All right. So we should probably wrap. Get you on your way. Okay. Um. Anything for 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 TechEd? Are there any themes? I mean, TechEd's early this year. The Vegas yeah. one is like early September. Is I there mean, anything you're going to be like hoping that they yeah, move I mean, ahead I'm on? Yeah. Just 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 be watching HCP. I mean, what. I always hoped for was that there would be sort of this explosion in terms of APIs, which would be released just based on the business services that are coming from right. um, Hybris Yaz, and it hasn't occurred yet. Um, and I don't know whether they were waiting for the API hub to get up and running or whether there are other reasons. Um, but that's, I mean, without the business services, HCP um, doesn't have the competitive advantage that it should have against other platforms. Right. I mean, because that is SAP's strength, um, the, the, just the knowledge in terms of uh, domain expertise that they've collected over the years, push it out, give it to developers, because that's what they need to make the interesting yeah. apps. Um, by the way, if you're from SAP and you're listening, Dick's going to want your stats. I learned this <laughs> yesterday. So he's not just going to want to hear you say we got a bunch of APIs and a bunch of people using them. He's going to want to know how many APIs, how many people yeah. are using them. 
preferably in visual format. So yeah. you got some time to work on that. So don't find yourself in a meeting with Dick without those stats, or it might go downhill for you pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope the listeners got a lot out of this, despite the fact that we weren't in a quiet room. We had to settle for a relatively empty hallway, so more background noise than usual, but I'm thinking we got a pretty good cut. So Yeah, I agree. Uh, thanks for the time. It's always a pleasure, Dick. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs>